Are you paying more than you should for things that don't really bring you peace? Struggling to meet your financial goals? We can help. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to learn how making little changes to daily spending habits can make a big difference. Schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Notre Dame is finally rested and back at Notre Dame Stadium this Saturday for an afternoon game for the first time since September 16th. That also marks the last time the Irish played a non-ranked team. Pitt is just 2-5, and five, but the Panthers have a ton of history with the Irish and feature a number of former Notre Dame players, and the Irish have shown one thing above all this year. You never know which Notre Dame team will show up. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Chuck Freeby. And I'm Angel DiCarlo. We'll preview the matchup with the Panthers, plus our Focus on Faith interview. Next segment is with former Notre Dame and Penn High Center Braxton Cave. Just absolutely loved catching up with them. It's always cool when you catch up with someone that you've known since they were, you know, whatever, 16, 17 years old, and now you see them as a father of three a senior vice president in the RV industry. Uh, that's that's a great interview coming up uh, next segment. Later this segment, we'll give our grades position by position, even some coaches as well. That's later this segment. But let's start with coming off the bye, Chuck. And we talked at nauseum over the last month about how tired the team was. And clearly they ended things on a good note with USC. But no question this team was running out of gas against Duke and Louisville, and 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 they needed the bye, and they needed to rest up, and, and they finally got that in an opportunity to get home even for a few days. Even Marcus Freeman looked rejuvenated at his press conference today after even having been on the road for two or three days just because he was able to spend a weekend with his family and do some things with his kids and his wife. They practiced Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of last week, and then Freeman gave them from... Thursday through Sunday to get away if they wanted to, and many of the guys took advantage of that option and came back to campus last night for a check-in time at 7 o'clock. But this is a team that had really gone through the grinder, particularly in the the middle of this sandwich season. The first four games, the last four games, more like the buns. The meat of this season was in those four games in the middle where the Irish went 2-2. Two and two. They've weathered that storm, came out, obviously with some momentum coming out of the USC game. And so now we'll see how they attack the last four games of the season. Here's Marcus Freeman on the benefits of the bye week. For our players mentally and physically, they needed it. You know, you think about we started this season uh, the last week of June. We started training camp and have gone straight until last week. And so it was a great chance for them to to have a bye week and mentally Wednesday after Wednesday's practice to, to mentally kind of check out with fall break. But we also challenged them had to get better. So Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we had to practice and we had to to get after it and, and really make sure that we were improving at all areas of the football the game of football, but also at the areas that we've been deficient. Uh, I was really pleased with those three days of practices. I think they'll be ready to roll after a three-day break that they got. 
All right, and we said the things that you would expect him to say there and some injury updates coming out of the press conference from Monday. Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas as close to 100% as they'll be all year, according to Marcus Freeman. So that sounds like good news. That's also one of those things that you still wait and see, right? We have not seen Jaden Greathouse really do much of anything since the pre-hamstring injury. So it'll be nice to see if he is healthy Maybe he's back out there getting a big touchdown this week against Pittsburgh. Deion Colsey, not so much good news there. Uh, behind coming off of the knee scope, uh, maybe Marcus Freeman saying maybe in a couple weeks. So let's just put him out of your mind at this point. I don't think we're getting him back for any time soon. And I think if you get to the point where he's off for the next couple of weeks, do you just consider what's the point? possible redshirt of him? Yeah. And because I don't think he played more than the four games already. That's a that's a great point. Offensive line, meanwhile, is is healthy, and Marcus Freeman confirmed he's staying with the same starters. There was there was a question about that, which made a lot of sense to ask that because there's some tinkering that was going on with that offensive line, especially in that Louisville game. But he says everyone's healthy now on the offensive line, and they're going to stick with it, which makes a lot of sense considering that the other guys that did come in didn't haven't had much experience at all in in and of themselves. If you take a look at where Notre Dame stands right now, 6-2 and two ranked number 14 this week in the AP Top 25. The only team that was ahead of them that lost last week was North Carolina, suffering its first loss at the hands of Virginia. So the Irish move up one spot. Penn State did lose, but they did not drop behind the Irish. Four Irish opponents from their first eight games still in the Top 25. Ohio State number three after their whooping of Penn State. Uh, Louisville checks in at number 18. Duke slides to number 20 after the loss to Florida State and USC right now looking Mm. like they're in free fall a little bit. They're down to number 24 having lost to Utah for a third straight time. The last four foes the Irish are going to face the only one right now that even had, well there are two with winning records in Clemson and Wake Forest uh, but none of them are ranked. No. You get Pitt and Wake Forest at home, you have to go on the road to Clemson and you have to go on the road to Stanford. Pitt just two and five coming in here Saturday. One and three in the ACC after losing a heartbreaker to Wake Forest, twenty-one seventeen. But what makes it all the worse for Pitt fans is Wake Forest was using its third-string quarterback. Here's the thing with the rest of the schedule, the rest of we, the rest of the way. You know, Pitt did defeat Louisville. That's the one thing they they have as their crown on Notre Dame, right? And maybe that's a positive for Marcus Freeman because he has that to say to his guys, hey, look, the team we lost to, they beat. First thing you mentioned about Pitt today. Yeah, so that makes sense in that regard. With Clemson, I think a huge benefit for Notre Dame, that's going to be a noon or 3.30 kickoff. That is not going to be a night game, which – Look, yes, the travel is a factor sometimes in terms of night games, but more importantly for me at this point coming off the bye and that being in two weeks is the fact that 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 stadium is not going to be as rowdy. It's still going to be, and that is still going to be a tough opponent despite the fact that Clemson now has three losses. But noon or 3.30 is much more manageable with a rowdy crowd on the road than an 8 p.m. kickoff. So that leads us to our... Every week question, how many games will Notre Dame win in the regular season? And now 10 wins, 74% of our those voting think Notre Dame is going to win out. 23% say 9 wins, just 2% say 8 wins, and only 1% 
at seven wins. Now, obviously, that's a huge jump from a week ago, but that's because they beat USC. That's the game you thought maybe they'd lose. But I also thought what was interesting was before the USC game, 34% thought eight wins, thought they'd lose two of the last five games. And now that's down to 2% because you saw what they did against USC, and now you're like, oh, I think they're going to win out. Well, the poll shows a recency bias. Oh, yeah. What the poll doesn't show is, are there still questions about the Notre Dame offense? Oh, yes, there are. And the poll also doesn't show a real knowledge of the defenses they're facing here down the stretch. Pitt and Clemson have pretty good defenses that are capable of keeping them in the game against the Irish. And the longer you let an underdog stay in the game, the more chance there is of an upset. So... While I would expect that I will agree with these people, in fact, I do, I think Notre Dame will go 10-2, and two. the fact of the matter is it's not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, again, what, what you said in the open, what, <laughs> you, you just don't know what Notre Dame team to expect, and that's probably the thing that Marcus Freeman probably despises the most to hear, right? He, hates the, he would hate the thought that his team – is a team that people don't know what to expect from. But they are what they are. And they are hot and cold, depending on the week, and you just don't know for sure. And nothing is more evident than that than playing really up against Ohio State and USC, and then not so much against Duke and Louisville. Maybe part of that is playing really up at home, and part of it is playing down on the road in a night game. Or maybe it's because it's... Ohio State and USC, and and not Duke and Louisville. Oh, Ohio State's a really good football team, and that defense is spectacular, as we saw Saturday against Penn State. They really shut down the Nittany Lions. So Notre Dame shouldn't feel bad about its 14-point performance against the Buckeyes in that game. They do feel bad about you know giving up 17, <laughs> uh, which they should. That said, when you take a look at what – how Notre Dame has played at home and on the road. Yes, they are two very different teams, and that's another thing that should give you trepidation going into the Clemson game. I don't care what time that game is played. And maybe, and maybe Stanford. Uh, eh, they're Funny not... things happen out on the farm, the and they'll be loose. They'll have nothing to play for. That, that'll that be Stanford's bowl game right there. Yeah, that it really will be. All right, uh, Marcus Freeman also had the opportunity. The coaching staff had the chance to, to sell – Self-scout things, uh, both offensively and defensively. Marcus Freeman was asked about that today, starting with the offense. It's the execution, and, and you know we we, we got to be better on third down, but part of being better on third down is, is being more efficient on first and second down. There's not just a one common theme in the last three or four games that we say this is the reason. Each game has its own different story um, that we have to continue to attack. You know, five turnovers one game. That's a different story than than last week. And so we have to continue to build confidence in taking shots, you know, especially playing the defense we'll play this week. You're going to have to take some shots and some play action shots. And, and, you know, we're continuously looking at the things we do. But the biggest thing is is the execution. So the challenge will continuously be, hey, we have to simplify so the execution is at the standard we need it to be. And it's not more, more, more. It's, It's clear, clear, clear. And then on the other side of the ball, even in that Louisville game, the defense gives you a chance to win. What were the main reasons why you say, man, we're a really good defensive team because of these things? 
Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for, for the USC game was they played fast because they were clear on what exactly their expectation was. They were relentless, you know, and, and you, you got to give credit to Al Golden, our defensive staff, for getting our guys prepared. You can put so much emphasis into a game plan, but if the kids don't execute what you want them to, to do, then it's the game plan's fault. No, it's, it's the ability to get your kids to understand what you want and let them play fast. That is the most the most important thing as a coaching staff we have to do. That's the biggest misconception about coaching football is that it's scheme, no, it's, it's clarity. You have to get your guys to understand exactly what you want so they can play fast and execute. So, you know, it gives that self-scout, and, and a big thing that he's saying there is we got to make things more simple, and we have to get, put our guys in position. You notice he is avoiding still at all costs putting anything on Jared Parker in terms of play calling, but putting it on his coaching staff in terms of not having their guys properly ready for the plays that they do call out there so that they are not so that they do execute better when they're in the game. And that filters down to the position coaches as well, but it also sets us up for talking about our evaluation of this Notre Dame team unit by unit. Angelo gave me homework over the weekend. <laughs> I'm 58 and I'm still getting homework. All right. What is this? So let's go with our grades position by position here. And before we get to that, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the financial institution of choice for hundreds of churches and schools. Link your Elevate credit or debit card and your nonprofit earns 1% cash back. Go to NotreDameFCU.com slash Elevate to learn more. Okay, we'll start with the offensive line. What do you got? I'm giving them a B. I think in terms of running the football, they've been worse than that, but I give them some props for the protection that they've given Sam Hartman in most of the games. Louisville's the glaring exception. USC, with an outstanding front four on defense, didn't get to Hartman once. I'm not even sure there was a hurry in that game. I still going with a B minus, and maybe I'm a harsh grader on the offensive line. I may be one of those that grades them on a curve because it's supposed to be O line U, but I expected way more from this offensive line this year. I thought it was going to be really good, and granted, they have the guards that are rookies and inexperienced, but. When you have the talent you have on the at the tackle position in Joel and Blake Fisher and experience center in Zeke Carell, I expected way more, so I went with a, a B minus. Running backs, how'd you go? I went A minus here. I said outside of the Louisville game, they've been very good. I think I think they've been outstanding. Now you, you can't give them an A because the Louisville game was a disaster in in every aspect. They couldn't get the ball running at all. They averaged what one yard a carry in that game. So. You can't give them an A, but outside of that game, I mean, you mentioned how good Ohio State's defense is. Yes. They ran it down their throat in that game. So I, I give a lot of credit, and that's led, uh, obviously, by Audric Estime, but you and I have talked about how much we love Jeremiah Love, and there's some depth there. We saw the talent that you have in Jadarian Price. Now, that granted, that was on special teams, but I, I really like what we've seen from the running backs this year. I would say B plus, and I I could see coming up to an A minus from the standpoint these running backs don't fumble the football. Mm. They have not been putting the ball on the ground, so perhaps I should have rewarded them more for that. But pass protection is part of it too. Sometimes their pass protection in the backfield has been lacking. The younger guys, I don't think are capable of doing it yet. I... And there's been a lack of explosiveness the last couple of games. That is. A little disturbing. So, you know, we talked about injuries and stuff like that. 
It would have been nice if one of us thought to ask about Audric Estime. I don't know if Marcus Freeman would have given anything, but it just feels like he has been banged up and maybe, and, and not necessarily an injury, just the wear and tear yeah. that comes on. There's a reason why the NFL does not pay running backs. Well, and there's also a reason why Audric Estime probably isn't going to be here after this year. No, he won't. Because he's got to take his body to the NFL before it gets beat up even more. Quarterbacks, and let's face it, this is primarily Sam Hartman. I don't think Steve Angeli really factored in our grading. No. Room. I went with B+. Plus. It's, it's a really hard evaluation because he was obviously – exceptional the first four games they played nobody good maybe nc state you want to give him credit for fine and then the last four weeks he's been okay obviously he won them the duke game at the end he got them the big drive against ohio state he also didn't get that first down against ohio state he was miserable against louisville some of that in large part was because of the offensive line and the play calling in that and he didn't really do anything against USC that wasn't necessarily his fault. He did what he needed to do, and he gave the credit to a lot of other people, including the defense. Well, he always gives the credit to a lot of other people, yeah. and that's one of the things we like about him. I'm just measuring him on the field, and I would give a B. Um, as spectacular as he looked in the first four games, he's really been rather pedantic in the last four games. He hit the big pass to Chris Tyree against USC. Granted, he was given a short field most of the time, but when he wasn't given a short field, there weren't these big, long drives. Maybe, it, maybe he felt he had to shave off some weight. So he shaved off the beard. He went down to a mustache, and now he shaved off the mush, mustache. So Dollar Shave Club is one of his uh, NIL deals. I have a feeling that's the reason why. He looks a little different than he did uh, for the first couple of weeks. Now what's holding down his grade, Oh yeah, because... Your quarterback's only going to look as good as his wide receivers. Mm. And his wide receivers, I thought I was being kind. I gave them a D. I, uh, they've just been awful. The last 44 targets of Notre Dame wide receivers, they only have 20 catches. They're, they're not good. And here's the thing. Last year when I did this show at a previous stop at Redeemer Radio, I gave them an F. And they are better than last year. Not much better. But they are better, so I let them pass. They do block. Yeah, they did that last year, too. Yeah, I but, mean, it's an expectation. I mean, but a wide receiver's job, first things first, is, is to, to catch, catch the, the football. They're terrible, and they have not been a productive unit. And maybe, maybe, definitely health has played a factor. It was going to be a group that was not going to be an A-plus group, no matter almost anything happens. But... Look, Tobias Merriweather. I mean, we're at the point that Marcus Freeman's basically like, we're going to have to force it and cross our fingers and hope he goes and makes a play. Yeah. He didn't say those exact words, but that's basically no, he, what he said. He said with Tobias, we have to take some shots and hope that he can make some plays on some 50-50 balls. That doesn't make me feel a whole lot of confidence. <laughs> Right, he just didn't say cross fingers. I, I added that part as my summarization. All right, let's go to the positive side uh, in terms of our grades, and that would be the defense. Uh, we start with the defensive line. Oh, you're skipping over the tight ends? Oh, I'm sorry. You're going you're gonna to dangle Mitchell Evans uh, out there with the wide receivers? Nay, I, nay, I say. Uh, B-plus for Mitchell Evans and the tight ends. 
I would have given them an A, but they missed some blocks against Louisville that would have sprung some big plays. You know, it's so funny you say that because the wide receivers really wish we included the tight ends in the grading because they would have been a lot higher because they're the only ones catching the ball. I went with a B. It was a slow start for the tight ends, if you recall. Mitchell Evans has been very good as of late. You can't catch what isn't thrown to you. Well, were they open? I don't know. If the ball isn't thrown to you, you cannot catch it. I go with a B. All right, now let's go to the defense. But Mitchell Evans has been great. I could see this being the grade that gets improved the most by the end of the year from my the my point ends? of view. Yeah, I might I, I might yeah, have an around. autocorrect, uh, self-correct coming up here. Uh, defensive line, what do you got? I'm going with an A-. Uh, and maybe because my expectations were not that high to begin with going into the year. But the fact that they can rotate so many people through – they, the defensive line had three of the six sacks against Caleb Williams against USC, and they were all players that are considered backups. Jalen Sneed, Nano Safamensa, and Bubakar Traore came through with big-time plays. They have so much depth there. I think Al Washington has done a tremendous job with that group, and they have been a stalwart of that defense, A-. I will go with B+. Plus. Uh, one of the things that will hurt them is they did not have – they were responsible for the 11th man that should have been on the field yes. against Ohio State. They have not been perfect by any means. They've been better than expected by a long shot. Um, I have nothing to add other than what you said. I agree with you 100%. I just went a little lower on the grade. Let's go to the linebackers. Now, this is the group I had a little higher than you did. I'm going with A-. minus. I think they've just been – I think they've been what I expected them to be, a very veteran group back there led by J.D. Bertrand. I think the time when you saw them struggling is when J.D. Bertrand's not in there. Yes, I agree. J.D. Bertrand has been spectacular. I would give him an A. I would like to see Jack Kaiser get more snaps. That's fair. Maris Leifau is still a work in progress to me, and I I couldn't get out of my mind that he was one of the guys that they had to call the timeout for after the Traore sack. I mean, that's a fifth-year senior. you got to be grabbing your guys and bringing them back, not standing there celebrating. No, I don't disagree with that, but I think he's been better. I mean, he was not good last year, and I think he's been way better than he was last year. I think He's He's been more disciplined for the most part. Yeah. Now, he did get uh, a pretty tough face mask penalty yes uh, against him uh, in the louisville that's, game that that's kept it, a 15 yard yeah that was... and he also didn't he have a running into the kicker yeah, earlier yeah. in the year i don't so, remember that one but um anyway. all right let's move it on yeah. we gotta we gotta get going here secondary but a best unit on the team yeah i i don't you hold harrison to what you held him to and the rest of the those usc receivers you get an a i don't know what actually what do they have to do to get an a plus well, Egbuka kind of had a big game against. Yeah, but I mean, you had Harrison on the other side. That's, yeah, I don't know what else they could have done to get an A plus. Maybe special teams. I'll go with B plus in large part recency bias. They had that kickoff return for a touchdown. Schrader has been better at kicking the last couple games after maybe struggling there for a little while. I, I think he finally is starting to be a trustworthy guy, especially from the longer kicks. I think. Putting has, for the most part, not been an issue, so I give him a B plus. Except you punted to Zachariah Branch, and he brought it back sixty yards yeah. and got them back in the game. He so. won by hundred in the game, so so I forgot about that already. Yeah. All right, let's go to the coaching staff. The head coach, what do you got? I'm giving him a B. Oh, you're nice. And the reason I'm giving him a B is for the bounce back efforts that he has had after losses. 
to keep things from spiraling out of control, which they easily could have done. Uh, that The anti-fragile remark, I go back to that because I yeah. felt like it was a fragile team and he helped to make sure that they weren't. I give him a C. Uh, he, I give him credit for getting them to rise up against USC, but the coaching staff is the reason they lost to Ohio State and Louisville. I, I, I mean, you... The coaches are responsible for getting an 11th man on the field. The coaches are responsible with making sure that happens on the stretch. I totally believe the coaches are responsible for the Louisville game. They didn't get that team prepared properly. Sure. That one is 100% on the coaches, in my opinion. So you lost two games, um, I and it's on them. You didn't lose because the other team was better than you. So you're saying an average Notre Dame coach would have this team at 6-2 and two right now? Yeah, I believe that because what else would – maybe? yeah, maybe maybe they would have lost – yeah, I don't think – I think no offense to Charlie Weiss. I think they're 6-2 and two with Charlie Weiss as the head coach. Ooh, I don't know about that. Well, I mean, the, if he has Al Golden as his defensive coordinator? Well, he would have had to have somebody good as a defensive coordinator. <laughs> we never really saw that. <laughs> that's what I mean. All right, anyway, that's a rabbit hole of epic proportions. Uh, Jared Parker, offensive coordinator. C and and that's probably being kind. I see your C minus there. Yeah, and I can certainly be swayed I'm, to that. I haven't seen anything, you know. And there are people that bandy about the question: Was well, he going to be back? Is he going to be the offensive coordinator next year? I have no thoughts that Marcus Freeman isn't capable of firing Jared Parker, even though they're friends. But I think Marcus Freeman wants to see a full body of work. Let's see what happens in these last four games. If if Notre Dame is able to flip the switch and turn it back on the last four games and and show some offense, then maybe you say, okay, he made some changes and there was some evolution. If they're still struggling to score the next two weeks against good defenses and Pitt and Clemson, then I think you have to ask some serious questions. Yeah, I went with C minus, and I, I'll agree with your evaluation there. And then, of course, Al Golden has been excellent. I gave him an A minus simply because, well, I can't give you an A if you had only ten men on the field for the most important play of the season. That's basically what it boiled down to me too. Although I will say, uh, if I thought giving Al Golden would be an A plus to keep him from leaving next year, <laughs> yeah, I, but I no, that would maybe that might be more reason why he would actually be able to leave, right? Yeah, because someone come call your overall grade on the season. I say a B plus with the ability to get to an A minus if they do their assignments on. on their upcoming tests. B plus when you're six and two. A B plus when you're ranked number fourteen in the nation. Ah, B, B, B. Well. That's what I expected if, them to if be. The, if they're at expectations, if they're at expectations. Then maybe it should be a C because that would just mean that they're average. Coming up, we'll dive deeper into the matchup with Pitt. The Panthers feature a number of former Notre Dame players, and up next, we catch up with former Notre Dame and Penn High center Braxton Cave, who's excelling incredibly in his post football career. It's faith, family football, and post football with Braxton Cave and Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix return. Founded in 2001 by brothers Sam and Levi, Reliance has built a reputation for excellence, providing high-quality home building and renovation services to the Michiana area. From single-room renovations like kitchens and bathrooms to building your dream home from the ground up, everything benefits from their decades of experience. From concept to completion, Reliance makes even the largest projects simple and hassle-free. To find out more, visit ReliancedBR.net. Reliance. Design. Build. Renovate. 
Welcome to the St. Vincent de Paul Society. From providing food and clothing to assisting with bills and offering support, we're here to lend a helping hand during times of crisis. But we can't do it alone. We need your generosity to keep our mission alive. Call us at 574-234-6000 or visit svdpsb.org to learn more about how you can help. The St. Vincent de Paul Society. Together, we can bring hope to those in need. We have made a decision on our 46th game of the week for this Friday. We will be at Community Field in Knox as the undefeated Redskins host undefeated West Noble in the 3A sectional semifinals. Watch it Friday night at 11, Saturday morning at 9 on TV 46. Or you can watch the live stream Friday night at 7 on IHSATV.org. Chuck Freeby and Angelo DiCarlo as we get ready for Focus on Faith with one of our local favorites. Former Notre Dame and Penn High center Braxton Cave, let me ask you a quick question, Chuck. You remember a more dominating offensive lineman in high school than Braxton Cave? Honestly, the only one that came close was a former Penn player by the name of Mike Rosenthal. That's a good one. Another And a, another former Notre Dame player as well. Uh, but he was absolutely stud for Corey Yeoman and the Kingsman back in the day. Of course, fifth-year starting center on the 2012 Notre Dame team that played for the national championship. He's now married and the father of three. His faith has always been important to him. His parents were actually original members of Granger Community Church. Notre Dame often talks about four for 40. Well, a four-year decision to go to Notre Dame, and you'll be set up for the next 40 years of your life. Braxton Cave deserves a spot on the four for 40 poster, as he's now a senior vice president in the RV industry at Lippert. This is a great conversation about faith, family, football, and life after football, and someone we've seen grow up in front of our eyes, and now he is all grown up. Here's Focus on Faith with Braxton Cave. Let's just start with a life update. Three kids, senior vice president now at Lippert. How busy is life these days for Braxton Cave? Life is busy, um, but... You know, thank goodness I got a great wife that carries a lot of that burden, you know, with the kids, with me being gone majority of the day. And um, but it's awesome. I mean, my daughter is six and first grade at Trinity Lutheran. My middle, he is at the ELC at Hubbard Hill. And then he's four and then uh, almost two year old at home with mom all day. So she's finding unique ways to keep him busy. Uh, we we put a pool in over the summer, so that helped <laughs> tremendously. Things are busy, but it's good. I mean, I, I can't complain in, in any way, shape, or form. How much did playing major college football prepare you for life now? Not only as a dad, but you've risen in the ranks at Lippert real quick, and you're overseeing now thousands of people as a senior vice president. The biggest things were just the team-building aspect. And, um, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, putting people in the right positions, right seat on the bus, no different than what you do through training camp and practice and depth charts. And it all, you know, crosses over into the business world. It's, you know, you got to find the right fit to get the job done. And it's no different here than in sports. Why was this the right fit? I, I remember you telling me didn't necessarily want to get into the RV business and here you are thriving in it. How did what made this the right fit for you? Well, going back, you know, I had a, a few different opportunities when I stepped away from football, um, but I knew Jason Lippert through church, and so working for someone with a faith foundation and was important to me, and then, you know, I sat down with him for a three-hour interview and just hearing his vision for what he wanted to do for the company, the community, uh, taking care of people, that was something that I could cling on to and made the decision really easy for me when it was all said and done. You've always been a a people person 
Is that from that from mom and dad? <laughs> Probably more from mom than anyone. Um, you know, Italian mom, uh, highly extroverted. So uh, she doesn't like being alone. Uh, neither do I. So I would say that she uh, brings out the best of me in that way. You mentioned going to church with Jason Lippert, uh, your CEO. You guys have been at Granger Community Church your entire life. Tell us the backstory there because mom and dad were kind of in on the ground floor. Yeah, so my parents uh, got in with, with Mark Beeson and in the Granger group uh, from the early days when he was running things out of his house. Um, so we've gotten to see the, the transformation from the days when it was in the movie theater to the first uh, edition of what is on the Granger campus today to what it is now. And so Mark has played a, a huge role in my life. He was a mentor um, to the day that he passed and a guy that we love, our, our youngest, Asa Mark, uh, is named after him. And, you know, he meant the world to me in many different ways, like a second dad and someone that I could always lean on for support and advice. And so, you know, the faith journey has always been extremely important in our family, uh, which car- has carried on to today with my own family. You know, the foundation was set at a very early age for me. Tell us more about that foundation being set in an early age and, you know, how your faith grew, you know, as you got older? Not having that foundation, it's very easy to get lost. I think it's hard even when you do have it. Um, you know, you hear the story all the time of people go grow up in the church, you kind of hit those college years and fade away and then ultimately come back. Um, fortunately for me, you know, I went to school right here in my home church's backyard. And so I was able to continue to go and bring guys with me to church when we had a weekend off or through the off season. So it laid that foundation of just truly knowing in my heart the difference between right and wrong and being able to have the courage to stand up in tough situations. And, you know, it's no different today. I mean, I have a a wife who's very strong in her faith, and she pushes me and challenges me um, every day uh, in that journey, which is incredible. And um, we're also, you know, pushing that along with our kids as well. You mentioned your kids. How does your faith uh, impact you differently now that instead of being just a son, you're now a father as well? Yeah, I mean, I want to be able to give them the same opportunities and foundation that I had. And so, like I said earlier, our daughter goes to Trinity Lutheran, so there's a faith foundation there. Our son's at the ELC, which is a faith foundation as well. Everything from, you know, it's a routine for us. We pray with our kids every day, every night before they go to bed, before dinner. They've gotten to the age now where they want to pray instead of us always leading in prayer. You know, it's just been incredible to watch um, and, and, and grow through. I mean, it's you don't know everything as a parent, so you're trying to figure it out as you go. But like I said earlier, I had a great foundation where I'm able to lean on that. And then surrounding ourselves with, with great families on the same journey has been helpful. How did going to Notre Dame, a faith-based institution, help you? Obviously, maybe slightly different faiths between Granger Community and a, and a Catholic college, but how did going there help you in terms of having that faith-based institution? I think it's it's the cool part about it is that it's just always there. It's you don't you don't necessarily have to seek it out. It's it's there and um, it's a part of everything you do. You know, from your theology courses to from the football program. You know, going to mass before games. Um, like you said, there's the different iterations of religion, but at the end of the day, it's all about faith and the journey and, you know, our, the, the guidance of, you know, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so, you know, Notre Dame was always a, a great support system and 
like I said, you didn't have to search too far to find faith. Braxton Cave, former Penn and Notre Dame center, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix on Pulse FM. Where did your faith play its biggest impact, whether it's high school, Notre Dame, or the NFL, in terms of when you're playing football? Like, obviously, there's always adversity in sports. When, when, did, when are some of those stories that, that your faith helped you get out of situations the most? I think the biggest one that stands out to me is in 2016 when I had uh, I came to the crossroads of whether I was going to continue playing or not. I had just finished my contract up in Detroit, became a free agent, and we were going back and forth with my agent in Houston, Oakland, Denver, and uh, you know no one you know, you know how football contracts go in comparison to baseball or these other sports where you don't unless you're a you know a top five ten guy on a team you're not getting guaranteed money. And so I really just had to sit back and and pray a lot about, you know, is this my wife was pregnant at the time with our first child. Is this is this life of living out of a suitcase what I want for my family? After a lot of prayer and, you know, I always was trying to lean on like my own skill set and I need to try harder. I need to do this, I need to do that. And finally when I just put my hands up and said, you know, God, what do you want for me? It became pretty clear that it was time to to turn the page and start the new chapter. It's interesting when we set dreams in our life and goals in our life and how how much new perspective comes into play when when a wife and kid comes into the picture, isn't it? Yeah, it's a game changer. I mean, I tell people all the time, if I was a single guy, I'd probably still be playing and bouncing around and living out of a suitcase. I could do that all day long, but um, I was ready to, you know, put roots in the ground and and start growing our our up-and-coming family. What are some of your favorite memories from from your days at Notre Dame? I mean, it's hard to to bypass the 2012 season. Obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted, but you know, to go 12 and 0 uh, in the regular season and a lot of the ups and downs that we went through in that year, it was pretty special. Especially as a fifth year guy and and having a few others that were fifth years that were on that journey with us. Um, you know, a really special year, and you know the coaching transitions that we went through so obviously started two years with Weiss and finished with Kelly and four different O-line coaches in five years there's a lot of things that I was able to learn and absorb through that of you know good ways to do things and ways that not so much and uh, different ways of adapting to different coaches I think that that benefited me well and has benefited me you know as an executive now of dealing with different people and you know, not everyone's going to be 100% aligned with you, but you got to find common ground. And I feel like I learned those lessons through my football career. We've talked a lot about family. One of my favorite memories of you is that USC game in 2012 after you guys win and you spot your dad in the stands. You're 34 now, so it's been a bit since that moment. Is that moment still pretty vivid in your mind? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can remember it like yesterday. Um, and seeing, I see the clip every now and then. Uh, replayed and you know like I said family is extremely important to me and and so you know my parents gave up a lot to travel to all those games and you know that they were always the first ones that I wanted to spot out you know whether it was running through the tunnel in the stadium I always knew exactly where they were sitting and um, or post game just finding where they were at and you know especially that game you know sending us into the national championship my parents were just as invested as I was, you know, it may be, if not more. And so to see the joy on their face, on their face of, you know, we're here we go, we've accomplished, 
the first set of the mission uh, was was pretty cool experience. What's it like now looking back at those days? And I know you're still tight with a lot of those guys from from those teams. What's it like continuing to have that bond, especially as you guys grow older and no longer in the NFL and and having kids and being married? We have a group text that we started during senior week of graduation with 10 of us. And when we started that group text, I think eight out of 10 of us went on to play in the NFL. Now, obviously there were no kids at the time. Now I think there's 16 or 18 kids in the group. And um, Kyle Rudolph just retired as a Minnesota Viking. So the whole group is officially done playing ball. Uh, But it's a brotherhood that I, I can't even explain. I mean, we talk in it every single day. So whether it's just about life or when guys are going through stuff, having each other's back, or whether it's us, you know, talking smack back and forth during a, a Notre Dame game that's going on and asking, you know, why did we do this or that? And so uh, it's fun, but it's, like I said, it's a brotherhood that I don't think will ever be broken. People hear that and it almost becomes a cliche in football, but how important is that? And why is football different maybe than other sports in terms of bringing a group of guys together? I think it's just the the physical grind, physical and mental grind that you have to go to together. You know, there's a lot of other sports where it's very, you know, individually based. Whereas in football, if you if you can't pull it together as a team, you're not you're not going to make it happen. And so, you know, especially that group. You know, we went through a lot, as I told you, with the the coaching transitions and you know different ups and downs. It was um, those forms or um, those relationships are formed over time. And I think a lot of times through adversity, and we went through a lot of that. You get the opportunity to go back to Notre Dame now as a as an older guy that has experienced success in life after football. What is your message to Notre Dame students and Notre Dame student athletes when you have those opportunities? You know, I, I think that a big one is just realizing how special Notre Dame is while you're there instead of after. I think a, a lot of us have that conversation of, man, if I could go back, I would have – spent more time here, more time doing this. And, you know, my first couple of years, I was so focused on football and school and just basically trying to survive that I missed out on a lot of the networking and relationship building with people outside of sports or outside of the football team. One of my messages is just to network with as many people as you possibly can because you never know where you're going to run into each other, you know, post-sports. And the Notre Dame network is incredible. Um, that's a big one for me. And then, you know, that network is only as good as what you make it. Um, so, you know, you can meet as many people as you want, but if you're not staying in touch and being intentional about it, you know, your network only goes so far. And finally, you're a local guy. You obviously love high school football around here. You got to, to make it to the NFL. There was not that many people that you played against in this area that got to make it to the NFL. Um it's it's a rare thing for a high school kid that finally make it. What's your message to high school kids about how much they should enjoy this experience? I mean, a big one for me. I've I've seen. I think we've all seen a big change where student athletes are really starting to focus on just one sport. I mean, I wouldn't change my experience for anything of you know football, baseball, wrestling. I think it's more important to just be an athlete versus building skills in one specific area. So I would just tell kids, keep it fun. I mean, it's you only get one shot um, 
to do those things. And the message that I've I've had when I've gone in and done some speaking with these high school groups is the bonds you build with your high school buddies because you, you pretty much come up with these guys from grade school all the way up. You'll never have a bond like that ever again. Even if, you know, Notre Dame or you go into college, wherever it is, NFL, like that's a, a four-year stint. And if it's professionally, it probably shorter than that. You know, really invest in those times and, and take it serious and have fun with the group of people that you're spending time with. Braxton, thank you very much. Absolutely, anytime. You talk about him being all grown up. You still shake his hand, and it engulfs yes. your hand. <laughs> and by the way, you know, you think of Braxton, at least when we saw him in high school and college, and even with the Lions, big, broad-shouldered, I mean, well over 300 pounds, yeah. I think, by the end. He is not over 300 pounds anymore. He is at fighting weight, but he looks like he could still, still do some damage. He's still shredded, but he just yeah. he lost yeah. a lot of the weight, and he's still working out a ton. If you follow him on Instagram, he'll post about it. He's working out constantly. Uh, it's just great to see. Uh, it's great to see a local kid done good, right? Yes. It, and and that's what what Braxton Cave is, and I've always enjoyed interviewing him over the years. And his commitment to his family and to being a good father, that's inspiring. Absolutely. All right, coming up, it's finally not a primetime matchup for Notre Dame. Finally not a ranked opponent. And the Irish are finally well-rested. We preview Notre Dame and Pitt next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Medicare benefits can be confusing, but they don't have to be. I'm Tony Letcher, licensed insurance agent. Imagine being able to explore all your options. I work with many of the top nationally recognized carriers, and when we shop multiple carriers, you could save the right coverage at the right price. I don't want you to be my client today. I want you to be my client forever. Call Tony Ledger today to schedule a free consultation or visit tledger.com. There's nothing quite like that first taste after the grill master has patiently smoked meat for just the right flavor. That meat will elevate the spread at any tailgate party, fall get-together, birthday, holiday event, wedding, company outing, and more. When you want that meal, contact Cotton Gin Catering. They offer real Texas-style barbecue catering. In fact, they're Michiana's best barbecue catering company. Get all the details at cottongincatering.com. So let's get you ready for Saturday afternoon at the stadium. The 2-5 and five Pitt Panthers come to town to take on the 6-2 and two Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It is a 3-30 kickoff. Notre Dame, of course, has looked very good at the stadium this year. Despite the one loss to Ohio State, they have wins over teams like Tennessee State. Central Michigan, and also USC. Pitt, yeah, it doesn't really matter where they've played. They haven't yeah, looked that good. They're 2-5. and five. They did get that win over Louisville, though, 38-21. That certainly gets everybody's attention. And, of course, this is a familiar foe, the 72nd all-time meeting in the series, which Notre Dame leads 49-21-1. 
They are coming off a loss to Wake Forest in which Pat Narduzzi called it one of the most difficult losses he's ever been a part of. There was three touchdowns in the final three minutes. Wake scoring the game-winning TD with 15 seconds left in the game. Narduzzi had a great quote post-game. It's hard to lose a game when you are plus two in turnovers, but we found a way. I uh, I was humored by the way he said that post-game. So it'll be interesting to see. They're obviously playing better. They beat Louisville. They're in there against Wake Forest. They had a fighting chance to, to win that game. Uh, but are they rattled at all after a heartbreaking loss where you finally figured maybe you have figured things out? So it'll be interesting to see how they have it. But you got a coach who absolutely hates Notre Dame. Yep. I mean, Pat Narduzzi will take shots at Notre Dame any chance he can. And I'm sure he will this week, and I'm sure he's going to have guys ready to go, and he's probably going to have the guys ready to go that are former Notre Dame players. It was interesting talking to Marcus Freeman today about some of the former Notre Dame players on pit. Sebo Flemister's having a nice year for the Panthers, 282 yards, which is only four yards per carry, but he did pick up 105 rushing yards last Saturday against Wake Forest. Shane Simon, I had forgotten he was on the Panthers, and you look in the stat sheet, he leads the team with three sacks, five tackles for loss. He's a captain for them. He's resurrected his career nicely. The guy that everybody expected to be the storyline in this game, Phil Jerkovic, has been benched in favor of Christian Voyer. And, and so, or I should say Voyer, and Jerkovic started the first five games. Pitt was miserable. Voyer starts against Louisville. He's they a redshirt 21. And he's a redshirt sophomore, so going to the younger guy at this point makes sense for Pitt. Um, Dracovic, there's some speculation about maybe moving to tight end. It would be interesting to see if we see that against Notre Dame or not. Obviously, he's got that big body, but isn't that weird, by the way? Real quick, on a side note, he's supposed to come back, play in Notre Dame Stadium for Boston College last year. Didn't them have that really odd Instagram post. And then, supposed to come back, play for Pitt this year, and then didn't. Uh, or Probably is not right. Uh, so kind of odd. He's probably uh, annoyed a, a much a, amongst anything else. But Pat Narduzzi coach teams are not easy to face, says Marcus Freeman. Uh, I think of tough. I think of physical. I think of aggressive. Um, especially his defense is something I've studied for years, um, going back to my time in Cincinnati. Even his time at Michigan State when he was defense coordinator, I remember studying him. I think I was at Purdue at the time. You know, again, but they're they're really sound. They always have good corners. They're able to play man to man with their corners, and and load the box and say, okay, try to run the ball. And we have to be able to do that. We can't just become a pass first team. We have to find ways to run the ball versus a loaded box that you know you're going to see, and they're going to run pressures. They're those hot pressures that you see over and over. And so we have to be good up front. Um, but I also believe we have to be good with our play-action shots. We've got to take some, some chances downfield and, and make some plays. And so um, it will be a game of physicality, right? And, and that's what I, when I think the challenge for our group is we have to exceed their physicality. And he's right. Those teams have a tradition of being physical, of being tough. Um, they're going to bring pressure. Do you know that Pitt, in the last four seasons, in each season, has had more than 50 sacks Per year. Wow. That's better than the Notre Dame record. Wow. So they get after the quarterback. Sam Hartman's going to have to have his head on a swivel. And so when Marcus Freeman is talking about taking shots down the field, easier said than done because you got to be able to protect your QB. 
Yeah, and he knows the defensive backs are, are tough there. And and one of the things, though, that'll be interesting, the linebacker, their main linebackers besides Shane Simon, Solomon DeShields was hurt early in the game against Wake Forest. You know, a guy who has team best six and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. I don't know if he's going to be back in this game, but he, he left the game early, did not return. So that's generally speaking, not a good sign. Offensively, they're not. They're not very good. No, I mean, they're not. This is why they switched to quarterback. So they're a defensive-minded team. That's their strength. Offensively, they they struggle. So this this is an unusual game in that regard. But it's whether or not Notre Dame's offense can they do anything against Pitt's defense? Like you said earlier, will be a very interesting thing to to monitor. Pitt has to hope that this is a low-scoring game. They have oh, to sure. hope that they can keep the Irish down around twenty-one points and hang in there against Al Golden's defense. I just don't know if they can score enough in this game. Uh, Vayer is only completing 53% of his passes. He's thrown for five touchdowns and two interceptions, so he doesn't make the big mistake. He's got some decent receivers in Bub Means and Connor Mumfield, but they're nothing to write home about. Although they, I think you might take them if you're a Notre Dame. You might. <laughs> I, I don't know. There, there's nothing great there. Uh, defensively, also Pitt, I think, is going to be without its leading tackler for the first half of the game because Donovan McMillian got ejected from oh. the end of the Wake Forest game because he had two back-to-back personal fouls. Wow. So, yeah, that's another big blow for them. Irish are favored by 19. Our poll question, what happens between Notre Dame and Pitt? Uh, it was either Irish win by 20 or more, Irish win by 11 to 19, Irish win by 10 or less. Pitt wins in this game. 43% say the Irish will win by 20 or more. 40% say the Irish will win by 11 to 19. What say you, Chuck Freebie? I'm thinking Notre Dame handles business methodically in this one. Might be close for a half or closer than people would like. Maybe doesn't get the offensive output that everybody would like, but I look for Notre Dame to win this one 31 to 7. Interesting. I, I, I think it'll be a little bit more annoying than that, to your point about the offense not being back there. I, I've got 27 to 13. I think Pitt just gets enough going. Maybe they get the short field on a turnover that you all of a sudden remember the big positive for Notre Dame. They were plus five in turnovers against USC after going minus four against Louisville. How does that shake out in this one? Pittsburgh is a pretty decent team in that turnover margin, even though they lost against Wake Forest. They were plus two in, in that area. So I, I, I just think this is going to be one of those annoying games against a team that you are way better than but is good enough to give you problems. Well, it'll be annoying because Pat Narduzzi will be in the stadium. That'll do it for the Notre Dame Federal Credit Union Irish Football Fix, Notre Dame FCU, where your bank does matter. Don't forget to join us Friday at 6 p.m. here on Pulse FM for the tire rack drive to the game. We'll break down the semifinal round of the Indiana High School Football Sectionals, then over on WHME TV 46. It's a battle of the unbeatens, Knox and West Noble in the 3A sectional semis. You'll see it Friday night at 11 or Saturday morning at 9 on TV 46. For Angelo DiCarlo, it's Chuck Freebie. It's Notre Dame and Pitt Saturday afternoon at 3.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. The game broadcast locally on WNDU. We're back with you next Monday night at 7. We'll recap that game and look ahead on the road to Clemson. Thanks for joining us on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You've been listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? 
Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Also powered by St. Vincent de Paul Society, Health Markets Tony Letcher, Reliance, Cotton Gin Barbecue Supply Company, and Tire Rack. Executive produced by Corey Mann. Engineered by Thad Hunsberger. Your hosts are Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. (laughs) 